Guru Nation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Thank you so much. Leave a review. I wanted to also thank my sponsors who make this show possible. The first one is Viva Sight Vault. Absolutely free. By the way, links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. Viva Sight Vault. If you are a site and you wanted to dip your toe into going digital and for e-reg and to start messing around with e-signatures, this is the way to go. They are the biggest name in our industry from a tech vendor standpoint. They're site-centric. They make this easy for us, guys and gals. And it's absolutely free. Sites.viva.com. Check it out. I use it. I also use Versatrail, which is my next sponsor. Versatrail has made my life so easy as a coordinator from an organization standpoint. Links to all these portals are in one easy place. You can literally link to anything you can think of, whether it's a protocol or it's the latest informed consent form or it's the IRT or it's the vendor to upload this or the other vendor to upload that. It's all there in one easy place. Not to mention, they do a lot on the feasibility side, which makes feasibility surveys a breeze. Check it out. This is a company that is going places. Versatrail. My next sponsor is Creo. I've been using Creo for years. They are eSource and eReg and CTMS and patient database and eConsent and so many more other things. And while they are not free, I definitely think it is worth the price for what you are getting. It has streamlined my research studies and my site, and I got all my coordinators trained on it, and I could not picture running my site without Creo. So check it out. Link in the show note. Finally, Inato, a free service for business development. Go figure. Link in the show note. It makes figuring out what studies you want easier. It makes figuring out what you're going to get if you accept the study super simple. And it really streamlines the process for knowing what's out there on the market. You can use it for as many investigators as you have. And again, it's absolutely free in Nato. Also in the show notes are links to the businesses I own, specifically DSCS, where we help sites get studies, do their contracts, help you with surveys, anything else you can think of, a shoulder to cry on, low monthly fee. And then we have the CRA, CRC Academies, and everything else live live and we're live guys thank you everybody for coming on look we got it this is an emergency pod we don't do i don't usually do two live streams in in one day but when i do it's with dr fox robert goldman and chris Sauber. this is an emergency guys um shout out to sponsors viva site vault creo and nato and versatrail look these are all tech vendors, ironically. <laughs> There's a lot of good that comes with tech. Lots. Lots. I use. I'm an advocate. I promote. There's also a lot of stuff that's not ready for prime time. And that is being utilized right now in the majority of trials. And Dr. Fox 
Posted it just came excellent, up, man. Excellent, excellent <laughs> post today on LinkedIn. You want to just – it's about ePros. Yeah. And I call this the attack of e-everything because there's a lot of other issues here. But let's start with the icebreaker, which is your post. Mm-hmm. And we've got someone from a sponsor to comment who's dealing with this stuff. Chris Sauber, who is a very pragmatic site owner, doesn't use any tech besides Microsoft Excel. <laughs> and and we have Dr. Fox, who's is on board with like a lot of stuff. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the icebreaker. Dr. Fox, your post. Yeah, so I've got a lot of sites in the network. They do not use eSource. They're still very paper-based. Paper-based is strong in here. What happens is they take on trials that accept or require electronic collection and information, ePros. That's what we talked about was ePros. So what happens is in these trials is these, these sites are trying to adapt trials with electronic capture systems in them into their paper organizational systems, which means that now you have these situations where patients enter data on an ePro or a device, an app, whatever the trial requires, and then sites, what happens there? Well, they have to print out the ePro survey, the results, and they have to put it into their paper binder. And then they have to take that and enter that into an electronic system. So you're pretty much going electronic, aiming for efficiency, going into paper, trying to adapt to the sites that don't have the technology, and then back into electronics. Well, what we're running into a lot of times are the the sites are claiming, what is the actual source here? Well, we're a paper-based site, so therefore our paper is the source. And then we're saying, well, it's actually, if you follow Alcoa, Alcoa C, you know, original contemporaneous act how much more original and contemporaneous can you get than right there from the patient entry on the epro so then it's like so what is the source what is the source of truth so there's the icebreaker that's kind of what we're running into right now across these sites that don't have technology what do you think and the, the issue go ahead guys and chime in but the issue i'm sure you guys both have a lot to say about this the issue that I want to like preface this whole emergency pod around is we haven't thought this stuff through. Like I was just telling you guys before we hit record sites, like it's like an afterthought, the ePros. It's, oh, that's for the patient to do. That's their responsibility. And that's it. Like we hope they do it. We tell them you're not supposed to, you know, take this. If you do, Make sure that you let us know before we're supposed to check, but we're really just checking if they're compliant. Like half the battle is just, are they doing it? So once they're doing it, you're like, okay, the patient learned how to do it. We told them what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do in the study. But what happens when they start putting stuff? Cause life is messy. I did a live stream with Darshan today. Life is messy and tech, especially as we're, bringing it into patients' homes with the wearables, with the IP bottles that open and track when the bottle was opened, right? So you know the time. As soon as they open it, oh, well, patient inadvertently opened the bottle and closed it back because they remember they're supposed to take it at night, not in the morning. Note to file. But that's the source shows it was open. The source will show, the ePro will show they dosed. 
doesn't matter what you write later. And we're not ready for this stuff, guys. I'm telling you right now, as someone doing this for almost two decades, sites and CROs and CRAs and even sponsors are not ready. This stuff's not ready for prime time until we change our mindset of what's important and what's not. Well, to address Dr. Fox's issue, there's already something that occurs that's very similar, right? And that would be EMR. So a lot of times sites don't do not give access to the sponsor or the CRA to the EMRs. So what do they do in place of, and plus the sponsors do not have access to the original, right? Which I know is not study specific, but they, what they do is they print it out and the PI or the corresponding doctor signs off on the records as certified originals, right? So I would assume in your situation, it would be equivalent, right? I think that's what the standard would be, at least I think to most reasonable sponsors, um, that would be the approach. In terms of what Dan just mentioned, um, yeah, I don't know. We're not ready. Darshan said it best on my live stream so that none of us have to admit to saying it. He said paper is great because it allows for making shit up. <laughs> so he said research studies are yeah. designed to be pristine. This uh, guy Darshan's a genius. Right? Let me just break down what he said. Guy, research studies sure. are designed to be pristine. Phase two, phase three are clean, sterile. Everything's rigid, has to fit. Right? Real-world evidence studies, when the FDA comes back later and says, well, actually, we're seeing like all these AEs that never showed up in the trial, we're going to put a black box warning or we're going to stop this drug from being marketed because the real-world evidence, mm -hmm. which is messy because life is messy, shows that if you're supposed to dose at 6 a.m. and a patient's actually dosing at 9 p.m. because they're like, hey, you know what? I forgot, but shoot i need to take this med well in a study on a paper diary patient's gonna put 6 a.m because they know what they're supposed to do but they messed up but a e-pro e-diary is not allowing that especially with the bottles that track and forget about when they start doing the pills that track when you swallow it mm -hmm. all well, right i just said that on a podcast dan i called it regulatory wiggle room and that's that's <laughs> like why that. That's what a lot of sites enjoy with paper is the ability to be flexible. But the thing is, man, even with like these IP, like temperature logs, right? We used to do paper. Now it's constant every hour. Well, you get more excursions now because life is messy. It's not always 72 in your room. But when you check it, you make sure you check it. Oh, okay, it's 72. Boom. Paper log, paper temperature log. Nope. No excuse. What's, what's your solution? Should studies be designed so that they conquer real world applications? Or, or are they to remain rigid and then guess what? The drug doesn't work as well because it's not designed to work properly in the real world. The main thing I'm advocating for, I'm going to let everyone talk more. I just want to preface this with like sites and CRAs need to wake up. That's the first thing. We're asleep. We're Love asleep, it. and this shit is already here in our studies, and we're asleep. All of us. Well, Sponsors are asleep. CROs are asleep. Sites are asleep. Patients are asleep, but they get a pass. 
That's it. That's not what I hear. So, but that's not what I hear you saying, really. What you're saying is studies are not designed appropriately. That's what I hear you saying. That's the more complex mm -hmm. solution. But we're not. The sponsor is not going to change their studies. So, so the site's going to have to wake up. Like CRC is going to have to pay attention to this tech stuff instead of leaving it on autopilot. And maybe other things that they focused on before are like less important. I don't know. I don't the, know. The I'm big just telling question. you guys to wake up. And one of these comments on here, they said they were at a site like that. Two times the work effort. So we've got some listeners who are going through this. The number one question is when you are a paper site utilizing technology, what is the source? That's so what do you monitor? What is the source when you do the trial? I mean, that's changing with the tech. Robert, what do you think? Guys, <laughs> there's only one answer. There's only one answer to that to that question. It doesn't matter if you're using paper, sheetrock, carrier pigeons. Ooh, sheetrock, Moses time. <laughs> Let's exactly hieroglyphics on a cave wall. When you are using an e diary, the source is your e diary, guys. That is the end of story. There's no wiggle room in that concept. And so when you forget to go in and review that source, bar napkins, that works too. Yeah, anything, right? Bar that works. Um, you know, uh, whatever, whatever your motto is, even if you're a paper-based site, okay, the whole purpose of the e-diary, ECOA, ePro, patient reported outcome, right? Electronic questionnaires. These are the source of truth. It's the original document, not the printed version of it. And the problem is when mistakes are made in the ePro or the diary, Every QA individual, and I hope there's some watching um, this, this live, has potentially been through a situation, and I lived this life when I was at the CRO. I was working for a very large sponsor on a endometriosis trial, and there were drugs being used, controlled substances being used as a rescue medication, for example. And turns out um, sites were just not looking at the diary. And as long as the patient brought back the bottle and they performed a pill count, the site didn't really pay attention to quantities taken the reason the patient took it, was it a reason based on worsening from medical history baseline? Was it an AE potentially? Was it whatever problem it was, they weren't paying attention to quantity, trends, and why patients were taking it. All they know is that they were coming back after 30 days and asking for another script, another script, another script, and another script, right? And these particular rescue medications were only obtainable via prescription. So as a result of multiple stakeholders, sponsor included, were not looking at the diary data, 
CRAs weren't looking at it. The sites weren't looking at it. All of a sudden, with one minute left on the clock in the fourth quarter, we realize, OMG, 90% of patients are taking prohibited amounts, unsafe amounts of these controlled medications. Because life is messy. Real life life is messy. messy. And now what happens, team? We get into panic mode. Oh, my gosh. Panic, panic, panic. Let's go collect all the prescriptions from the site to verify that these quantities being reported are impossible. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, unfortunately, that is not the you know that's not the band-aid solution so what oftentimes happen is that when diary errors are made whether it's in regard to rescue medication scales or assessments or any type of outcome you're looking for for any study when an error is made you are as a sponsor stuck with that error and we have to explain the nature of those errors where in the CSR. And for your audience, the CSR is the final deliverable called the clinical study report, which is typically submitted with your NDA application. Okay. So you have to explain these anomalies, whether they're design flaws, whether there was a lack of oversight, whether there was whatever reason it may be. And this all impacts potentially your endpoints, your endpoints. Whether or not they are secondary, primary, exploratory, you know, um, it's kind of an irrelevant situation. But we have a very rigid system from a regulatory perspective on what you can and cannot do with a patient reported outcome. And until we have, go ahead. Well, here's the question. Endometriosis is painful. Didn't they know that rescue relief meds were going to be overused? What was their reasoning for not tracking it properly? Well, it's not that they were 100% overused because they were only dispensed a certain quantity. So overuse is the speculation based on if you just look at the output of the EPRO. But when you start looking at the source documents, the paper source... The band-aids that were put over that were put over the actual source of the truth, then you quickly realize that based on the quantity dispensed, it would be impossible for these patients to be taking the reported quantities. So Robert, I have to ask you something. In that statement there, is it safe to say that ePros would be the truth and paper source would be like the massaged truth? massaged <laughs> um it, it it's safe to say that but here's the problem is your paper source that you're generating at your site one out of a hundred across the trial do you think the fda is going to look at that piece of paper <laughs> no what they're going to look at is the outputs from our from the epro right they're going to be looking at that data set and and so how do you close that gap and loop mm-hmm protocol deviation wasn't it edc they'd be looking at edc right well no not no because look you never want to duplicate data entry or at least you want to avoid doing that because you have to reconcile these two repositories now right Mm -hmm. so if you're capturing data in one place and if it's not automatically being integrated into the clinical database edc then 
you'd never want to ask a site or I would never, you know, it's just bad. <laughs> it's bad practice to, to duplicate data entry, you know? So, um, We've been asked, me and Chris, yeah. if we're on a study. Yeah, we were asked. Many times. And, you know, and, and that's the sad part of it. When you're using eSource, a.k.a. an e-diary that has patient-reported outcomes in there, there should be no reason above and beyond, was the patient compliant? Yes, no. That's the question that should be in the EDC. And or did you review the diary? Yes, no, confirming in the EDC. But to ask a site to duplicate what's already part of a source document, in this case, eSource, is, is absolutely just bad practice, you know? Um, and so what happens is when you have different sources of truth and the massaged version, like Dr. Fox mentioned, you now have conflicting source documents. And when you go to look at a monitoring plan, and whether or not you're doing risk-based monitoring, tiered monitoring, reduced SDV models, most models still require source document review. So it's critical to understand the difference between these two items. You know, source document review is misleading in the sense that do you realize that includes the e-source or the e-diary or e -pro. the e-pro yeah. right so we're That's... putting the all this patient centricity like buzzwords that yep. are like kind of started happening a decade ago are alive now and they are causing problems in the study because okay you give patient more in power here you go you're actually recording your own data and here you go now you got like all kinds of issues happening because the patient's putting like life is messy they're not it's not a pristine like clean trial they're they may take their med at eight one day and skip it the next day and take it at 8 a.m the next day whereas if the site's asking them without a pro hey were you compliant between visits on your meds let me count they're like yeah no problem well the, in the epro you can see well no they actually opened it on this time this day and they didn't take it this day and or so dan or not to interrupt you chris sorry or they're actually being very compliant with the breast with the medication but they're just forgetting because life is messy things happen life life happens let's just call it that right i forgot to enter my diary entry i just forgot does that mean they're not compliant not necessarily that's why reconciliation of amount dispensed versus amount returned is mission critical that's why it's important when your patient comes in and says, oops, I forgot my IP or I forgot my rescue. Guess what, buddy? I'm sorry. That's unfortunate, but let's reschedule your visit. That's why you have a window. Sites don't use the window to their advantage, you know, and oftentimes it's not an ideal situation. It's unfortunate, but it's not good science. You have to actually ask the patient, go home. If, po if possible and feasible in, in that moment, you know, how far do they live from the site? Oh, the patient lives four hours away, two hours away. One, well, then we have to reschedule the visit. I'd much rather as a sponsor, I'll tell you this, take multiple window deviations over an efficacy impactful deviation that now excludes the patient from the efficacy analysis because we can't prove it otherwise. So give me a hundred 
window deviations and give me one important deviation that pulls that patient from the efficacy analysis. You know, that would be my preference. And I think sites would probably understand that as well. But that's why it's critical for sites to be calling patients. Hey, you have a clinic visit tomorrow. Here are the reminders. Do this, don't do that, etc. Right. And then if the patient comes in and still does not do what you asked them to do 12 hours ago when you spoke to him or her, then you know, it's like how many times is too many times? What is the threshold that is acceptable to the PI? When I was a monitor, I would ask that to them all the time, right? I would say, listen, it's up to you. I'm not here to tell you what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. But if a patient does a mistake 50 times, 40 times, 100 times, 300 times, Dan, right? <laughs> like, yeah. w w when do you say when? Chris yeah. is ready to blow up. Dave. Yeah, he is getting paid 99% of the time. They don't care. I mean, literally, they don't care. So it has to uh, be that has to be protocol specified, right? It, but let's let's say it is, Chris. Let's say it is. Let's okay. say it is. Now what? Right? How many times is two times? Because no, no, seriously, right? It is. Pro no, let's just say for this, right? Like for example, many many protocols state, and I've seen this a number of times in the inclusion yep. exclusion criteria, the diary has to be accurate or completed in a range. Like usually sure. 80% is the starting value. Call, let's call it 50 to 80% compliance. Right. So if they're under 50, they're out of the study. It's that simple, right? Well, when they do you document re-education? But, but then, then but so Chris, I mean, is it that simple, right? So from, from my perspective, I would come to you as the site owner and say, hey, and we would obviously have the medical monitors and everybody and their mother involved in this conversation. But I would say, Chris, thank you for your willingness to discontinue the patient. However, why don't we consider continuing the patient for the safety value in which they're contributing, right? Well, now we know there's no more safe, there's no more efficacy value here, but they do provide value for the safety aspect of the database that's required. So I wish it were that simple to say, because again, when we power a study and we look at sample size requirements per dosing arm and group and what we have to have and how many completers and what our projected dropout rates are, et cetera, you know, if it were that easy to say, okay, this patient's now dropped to 49.9%, they're out. That would be great in a, in a perfect world. But like Dan says, the theme of this pod, I feel like is life is messy it may well, not be fair to the patient because the patient might be really compliant with their med. And well, because they're not on a calculation, does it really mean we should boot them? Okay, so that's a sponsor call. And I guess it would, again, be the design of the protocol. And you could have something in the protocol that states if the patient falls below this threshold, we need a phone call with the medical monitor or the project manager or whatever the case might be right to move the patient forward or discontinue the patient there has to be a call on this particular patient but the theme of this at least tonight this is where i'm gonna drag dr box in um the theme of all of this really in my mind really boils down to the budget right so everything you're mentioning at least in my mind boils down to sponsors oftentimes are looking to cut corners on payments 
And what you're asking for is a lot more attention to diaries in which the sites are not paid to deal with, right? Oftentimes, sites are paid 40, 50, maybe. I, saw, I knew this Robert. would be good. I, I knew I picked the right for a guess. Roll up my sleeves here. Right? 40, 50, <laughs> maybe a day, maybe a week, whatever the case might be. It's lacking for everything that would have to take place for these diaries to be handled appropriately. Well, keep in mind, sponsors are also paying CROs to manage the study too. No, so I Chris. understand that. But what I'm saying is if, if, if you want all of these precautionary measures put in place, it's going to, it's going to have to be paid for. Right. And the sites are going to have to be paid a whole lot more money. Diaries just became a, a very, in, in order to be handled the way you're kind of describing, in my opinion, you just put probably the largest cost of the study on the diary. Yeah. You 10x the diary cost. So I've got to, before before my vessel blows up, let me, (laughs) let me, let me just, let me, let me just say that I agree with you, Chris. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm a site advocate. All right. Can I guess what you're going to say just by looking at your face? Please. (laughs) My guess is when Chris said it's not the site's responsibility to review these diaries, that's when you're like, let me, so I, my guess is, I've seen I don't think I said. Ways. Wait, wait, but I just want to correct. I don't think I said it's not the responsibility. They're just not paid to do it. Not paid to do. So they're not paid fairly. We're being paid on a 2010 template if when that. technology's in a 2030. All right, world. guys, let's get the suspense building real quickly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me ask you a simple question. Do you think that justification? would fly with an FDA inspector. Of course not. We didn't look at this safety data. We're not being paid for it. No. Guys. Of course not. So so there that's so 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 there then we answered our question. Then the obligation and responsibility based on the 1572, the back of it mainly, is to conduct the trial in accordance with the protocol and to maintain proper oversight. I ask PIs all the time, Dan, I did it yesterday with you when we were talking together, right? Mm-hmm. Just just kind of off the cusp on our own personal time. How many PIs do you know can recite verbatim the eight obligations on the back of the 1572? Uh, zero. Thank you. <laughs> zero. Put it in the comments you. right now, guys, if you Put know. Put it in the comments. You've been a lot of so, these. There's, there's so, not so, any. So not really, any. to... But but again, that that's unacceptable. Okay, sure. like that that's absolute. So what I'm saying is, yes, that's a reality is, too, though, Robert. But like, that's why we're ringing the alarm bells here, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is exactly why we're having this discussion to bring attention to the fact that look, you know, the, the, there will always be you know a one-off scenario where somebody can do it or can't do it, mm-hmm. but payments and what the obligations are to protect the patient's safety and the integrity of the trial should not really be blurred guys like there's a and and again i don't i'm not saying sites shouldn't be compensated if there's additional work but if you sign up to participate in a site that's using patient reported outcomes it should go without saying that you have to review that source and not only you, but the partnership and shared responsibility with your CRO. 
if you happen to be using a CRO, right? But it's not an excuse to say, oh, well, there's not a line item in the budget. We didn't look at it because there's a lot of safety data coming out of those patient reported outcomes sometimes. Oh, not all I'll the ask time. a question, Robert, if that's okay. Please. Um, all right. So I, I agree. Sites sign a contract that says we agree to perform this pro this trial according to the current approved protocol. That includes ePros. So let's say I take that protocol, I dissect it, I just tear it apart, and I completely itemize it. And I have an actual budget of what it's going to cost. And then I go to the sponsor and I have everything justified. This is what it is. This is where it is. I did a complete analysis. Here's everything that has to happen. This is what it's going to cost me to do the trial. I just spent hours doing this. They're, the people managing the budgets are going to look at me and say, oh, no, no, that's way too, that's way higher than any other site we've worked with. It has nothing to do with the amount of work that you have calculated you have to do. It has to do with how much money we think you need and how much money we're paying other people. We, even with all the justification to say, you know, this is what it's going to take. They still look at you and say, hell no, thanks. That's unfortunate. Can I, can I ask Dan a question? Dan, you want to ask me a question? Yeah. yeah Dan, how many sure. altruistic uh, PIs do you know? <laughs> there's a few. There are a few. And then there's varying degrees of it. Honestly, right. most of them are over the age of 80. And retired. Mm -hmm. There, I know many. I know there's one I'm working with right now. He's, I don't know if it's altruistic, but he's, he's interested. He's excited about having us do research in his office because he wants alternative for his patients. Money's like sure. second to him. He just doesn't want to lose money on it, but he wants the opportunity for the patient there. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say is there's a few of those that are out there. It's one thing to say, you know, sites need the money to do this. Everything's fully justified, but they are forced into accepting these underfunded trials right? because right. of the system. And therefore they reluctantly <clears throat> accept it because they have to stay in business. And then this stuff happens. So what do you think is the solution? I, mean, so I think, well, I think it's a multi-pronged. Like, first of all, we need to reckon, we need to wake up sites in CRAs. Like these, these EPROs have become, if not the primary endpoint, directly related to the primary endpoint. They used to just be far off exploratory. I remember when these paper diaries were just health economic outcomes. Like, how do you feel, you know, after a year on this med, <laughs> like financially and, I mean, it was like not important. Who cares if they if they forgot or? But now they've become they've creeped up into our lives passively. I may add, so silently, under the radar, until all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, these are like the primary, the most important part of the study, is what the yeah. patient's putting. It used to be the least important part. In my opinion, I think there's a number of changes needed in the industry, and one of those would be putting myself and Dan out of business. Um, in terms of uh, our consulting work, I think if it were me and I were, you know, uh, dictator of research, you almost be, are. You almost are. No, I am close. <laughs> a, there would be no no negotiation on budget, right? Here, here's the budget. This, this is the budget, right? But that budget would be it would be much better than most budgets now, right? 
it would be there's no negotiation to this, but you're getting paid very well to do this study. You the realize you're talking would, CRP in, right? The the protocol would quadruple in length because I would go into extensive detail what's expected for everything, right? Yeah. Not just here's what needs to be done and here's at what time and whatnot, but here is how it's done and here's what's all involved in doing this, right? I that's what I would do. I would make it absolutely clear what's expected like the e-pros right do you think that would still solve this issue though what is it what does a protocol say in regards to e-pros or any kind of pro right e-pro paper pro whatever the case might be it's (laughs) it's just you have to collect this these certain patient reported outcomes and that's it right it goes into real no detail Um, would more money solve it though i think feel like it would I just be the would, new norm. Well, and... I think I think enlightening the the PI specifically and the sites in general and more money would solve it. I think enlighten that first part. I think like waking people up. Like, look, we need you to focus. I know traditionally, historically, pros have been ignored by CRAs and sites. You just check that they're being done, and that's it. But now it's super important. Like, you need to look at times. You need to like babysit the daily entries. Like someone has to be on it. You might need like a research assistant to do nothing else but look at this stuff all day, from both the site and at the CRO level. But well, now, currently, both are—they're both asleep at the wheel. There is no one doing this on both it's just, sides. It's just not the patient-reported outcomes, though, Dan. I mean, there's a number of issues in research which we discuss periodically, right? Recruitment's yep. another that can be addressed by the budget. I mean, there's just this so is many... the attack of e everything. The title. Look, you want to open a Pandora's box? E-signatures? Chris and I know. This is not theory. Chris and I have talked to site owners that have cheated PIs out of money by using e-signatures against them. Yeah, It's much easier to forge an e-signature because it's just a button. Yeah. Then it is the way you sign something. Yeah, and uh, it's much easier to create an email for a PI. There's people out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we talk to them all the one all the time, but frequently. So this tech stuff's really good, but it's also causing problems we've never had before. And people are asleep at the wheel at all levels of this yeah. industry. But to be fair, Dan, come on. You don't think sites in the past have forged PI signature and wedding? Of course. In hospitals, they rubber stamp doctor signatures like exactly. routinely before it's not EMR. It really changed anything. It's just something that's never really been approved. Robert, are you freaking out when you hear this? Or are you like, not no, I, aware guys, of guys, I, 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 I spent a long time in the field. This I, I've seen it all. Everything that Dan and Chris are describing, I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, I've been removed from trials because I witnessed the forgery of an ICF. I literally was watching it with my own eyes. I wasn't accusatory at that moment. I saw it. I captured the evidence. The patient used an X. The site used a check mark. The patient used black ink. The site used blue ink. I mean, it was so blaringly obvious. And by the way, I reviewed the ICF and that box was not even check marked or ticked or crossed when I reviewed it, all of a sudden it is, and it's a different color ink and it has a check mark instead of an X. I watched this forgery with my own eyes and 
oh, he get, he he's not allowed to come back to okay, pack it up, see you later. Sponsor got mad at me. It's like I'm sorry I did my job. You know what? Maybe next time I'll turn a blind eye. And you know, this stuff happens, guys, more than we know. And I agree with you all. I mean, I went into a site in Palm Springs. And I had a junior monitor with me. I mean, this was a long time ago. And I think I might have even told a little bit about this story in one of the previous episodes. But the point is, I rescheduled this SIV, I think, four times. And on the fifth time, I'm like, I need written confirmation from you that the PI is going to be there. And they did. They wrote it. Yes, the PI will be here. Sure enough, guys, I go in to the site <laughs> with my junior CRA observing. And do you think the PI was there? Oh, he'll be here. He'll be here. Okay, we'll wait. So I'm drinking a coffee. We wait. He doesn't show up. So now I'm told, let's proceed with the SIV. And at lunchtime, we'll drive an hour across town. And we'll go to his office. I said, hold on, right? I go, excuse me for a moment. I picked up my stuff. I went outside, called up my superiors. And I said, this site is the most fraudulent site I've ever seen in my life. I don't even think the PI knows that this place exists. And if you asked him the wall color of the paint, he probably wouldn't be able to tell you. So um, a lot of other things happened within that 15 minutes. And I was chased by the site into the parking lot. Don't leave. This is unprofessional. Get back in here. You have an obligation to finish this. I looked at my junior. I said, pack it up. We're out of here. Two days later, I get a phone call from the PI. And he's like an older gentleman. Okay. He was doing this out of the benevolency of his heart. He actually told me in tears, I, I am a stage four cancer patient. I am doing this to make ends meet so I can afford my treatments. I'm just looking to help these patients. And I don't even know if I'm qualified to be a PI. What exactly is a PI? He says to me. He goes, I had a man coming to my office maybe once every two to three weeks, setting papers in front of me, just asking me to sign them. And I said, Dr. So-and-so, did you review the papers before you signed them? He's like, I can't lie to you. I didn't. I was just signing them because I trusted him. Here is a primetime example of elderly abuse, okay, and a, a predatory site owner who was merely using this man's medical license to try and conduct research when this guy had never stepped foot into that clinic. So when I hear these stories that Chris and dad are telling me, Dr. Fox, it doesn't phase me a little bit. I've seen it all with my own eyes and it's very, very, very unfortunate. And I see it more and more today where PIs, like Chris said, don't care. How do we change that? I don't know. And do you think that the E thingies are going to help PIs care? Absolutely not. The E thingies you know, are... Until, 
a 483 is issued. That's when they're going to care. Pause for dramatic effect. 483. <laughs> you know? You know what's crazy? This tech, DCT, we haven't even discussed DCT. This is how far removed these vendor, a lot of these vendors are from reality. Right? We're not even ready for EPRO in prime time, apparently. How the hell? We're ready. You just said an hour from the PI. I had no clue what he's doing. DCT guidance just came out and said, PI can be here. Healthcare provider office can be across the state. Right? Somebody that's not even on delegation log, or they call it a task log. Who knows what they're called now? is going to do something, but they don't need to be trained on the study. So go have this conversation now with a PI that's implementing this tool and ask him if he knows what's going on. They don't know what's going on as is. How are they going to do this? <sighs> and don't forget that sponsors can help to coordinate the trial. <laughs> And don't forget, the yeah. CROs are involved to like make sure it's all smooth, guys. And don't worry, like it's all Robert, good. And... I, how do you feel about DCT? I've never heard your opinion. Well, you know, that's another episode. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think there's like you know, I, I was I actually caught part of Dan's pod this morning with with Darshan. And Dan was like, you know, nobody even knows what DCT is. The FDA doesn't know it. The sites don't know it. The vendors don't know it. They think they, everybody has their own interpretation of it. So that's what I feel like I would be contributing if I told you how I feel about it. Cause I'm not sure I even know what it is, right? Telehealth has been happening for a long time. Mobile nursing has been happening for a long time. You know, components of the DCT. EPRO is DCT, right? You're, ta- you're removing yeah. the data from the yeah. site. It's literally being originated in the patient's home or in a restaurant yeah. or wherever one they could are. Argue. Yeah, one could argue. They could be traveling in Canada, filling out their diary, and the site's in Arizona. All right, well, I did it in Canada today. That's so different. Just, yeah, you get but, a bunch of HCPs and EPRO, and then I guess you're set, right? You know, so Dr. Fox, look, I'm not 100% aware and sold on what the true definition of DCT is. Nobody. So be, be, well, that, that, that's why I can't answer how how I feel about it. Right? Do I feel some components of it ease the burden of the patient in a certain situation where they may have transportation issues, or they just it's not feasible for them to make a long trip? I mean, yes. You know, I'm all about making things easier and streamlined yeah. for our patients. Right? That's why we're here, Chris. We're but, gonna get to you right now, but I want to address this. Michael Mott says with yeah. the PI. Is definitely not using Metavector. I actually think Metavector can pull this off well. I was considering using Metavector. We lost the study. I'm I'm not discussing them. I'm actually thinking in my mind about the virtual trial model that they tried to do in 2018, 2019. We don't forget that, guys. Let's not erase that from history. They tried to replace sites. We don't need 10 sites in the state. We only need one. And then we'll have all these other sites doing it, and then we'll manage it through one centralized PI. Medivector, I think, can actually put it together because they're, they're, they're bringing the patient to the doctor remotely. Exactly. So the DCT, right? One PI. And it could be maybe one PI per state. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I think DCT is just one PI. It could be for the entire state. Not according to the guidance. The state. 
I, no, I think that's the end game in, in, from a sponsor perspective. Yeah, right? but the guidance says that you're not allowed to manage more HCPs than you can handle. The, the guidance has throttling for that. Sure. That's why it's maybe one state, right? Well, it depends on how big your state is, I guess. Sure. Well, one can handle the whole world, maybe, if their technology is up to par. And then that one person can be hired by the sponsor, right? And then you just have zero, zero yeah. ethical oversight. <laughs> dreams come true. DCT equals dreams come true, says Michael Mott. That's well, probably I mean, accurate. <laughs> what, what holds the sponsors back, and, and Dan and I have discussed this a number of times for years now, is the fact that they can't get the patients, right? No amount of advertising they implement, no amount of anything else they implement gets the patients. They have to get the patients through the sites. If they if they could remove that factor, there would be no sites. It's not the site. It's not just the site, though. It's the real-world treating clinician. There's patients out there in the wild with or without research that are being seen every day by clinicians. Yeah, Those sure. are the ones we need in studies. Yeah, sure. But sponsors, if they can get the patients, they're not reliant upon the sites. They're reliant upon the sites for the patients. It's not necessarily the data because you can implement DCT, right? You could have this, like you just said, the sponsor control the one PI. That PI has oversight of all of the patients that are participating in the study. So it's just a factor of how do we get the patients? At least that's what, the way I see it from a sponsor perspective. Yeah, but, you know, also, Chris, it's like, you know, I was talking with Jaime yesterday. Um, Jaime's the man. We need him know, on the panel. <laughs> he, he really is. I mean, what a what a great guy. But, you know, there's certain cultures that don't – that have, like, this perception that they're the guinea pigs, right? And they don't want to be that guinea pig. So I, I say that because the, the trust that you may have going into a brick-and-mortar site, seeing that – investigator with your own eyes versus somebody showing up at your door to collect your blood that you've never seen before, you know, that trust factor is going to be very hard to replace. And so I, I, I don't know if it's just, Oh, if we could get the patients, forget the sites, because what would retention look like? What would satisfaction well, look like? What would the experience look like? I don't disagree patients? with anything you're saying. I think you're just confirming what I'm saying. I think you're absolutely confirming what I just said. You have to have the sites because of the patients. If there was a way to get patients and have them participate in the study that didn't require sites, it would already be done. Agree. Yeah. And they've and tried why, every yeah. which way. And they're continuing to try instead of investing and improving processes that already work and fixing things to keep mm -hmm. up with the times, like ePros, which are obviously becoming an issue. <laughs> Okay, right. like this is what Save Our Sites kind of is about. Let's address the issues that for the site. We're not talking about doing research in a bus. Like this is real community-based research. Research as a care option. I love that word. I love that term if it's used in the right way. If, if it's used in the right way, I see Dr. Fox shaking his head. It's not research. is not a care. But you know what else? You know when research was a care option? <laughs> you know, research was also a care option during Tuskegee. That was, yeah. So I would never, ever call research as a care option, ever. How about an alternative way, treatment option? How about research as healthcare management? We need a new word at SOS. Yeah. 
But point is, we need to go to the communities where the patients are underserved or every any community for that matter. I mean, at this point, every community is underserved when it comes to healthcare. Right. The system is broken. That's another podcast for other people. But when it comes to research, we're trying everything except fixing what needs to be fixed on day to day things we're doing. And that's the point of this. Like, wake up like. These things, EPRO is no longer like put on the back burner. Just the patients need to do their stuff mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. It's not just it's- a matter of compliance, right? I mean, it's a matter of the quality of the input of the data. Is Does the patient really, and I've seen a lot of inclusion exclusion criteria. I mean, just go on clinicaltrials.gov. The inclusion exclusion criteria is public information for any, for any trial, right? Some and a lot of these inclusion exclusion criteria indicate you know, willingness and patients confirmation that they understand what they're being asked. So again, how many times is too many times? It's not as simple as just defining a threshold. And if they fall below a threshold, goodbye. Yeah. Right. There's an ethical component to that too, because why were they even enrolled in the first place? They obviously don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you think that EPRO utilization should be implemented into feasibility somehow. I, I do. Like, I do. It's going to get I to do. a point where it's going to be, do you utilize e-source that's compatible with e-pros? Yes or no. I, and if I, the answer is no, you're kicked out. You're like, okay, thank you very much. Or not, maybe not kicked out because they may be perfectly well, you know, qualified. Look guys, it's not a difficult concept to explain to clinical research professionals that look, your e-diary, your e-coa, your e-pro is e-source. It is source. Once they understand that concept, <laughs> what to do with it should be clear as day, right? Should we give the sites since it is source and we have things like Creo and real time and the other ones? Mm-hmm. Should we allow sites to just build it themselves? Because the pro- a lot of the complaints with these ePros is, well, there's some design flaws in here. Like they don't capture, yeah. they don't allow patient freedom. It's just yes or no. Like, did you do it? That's again? a good point. This, good, okay, yeah. so so let me, so yes. But Dan, this goes back to a topic we never did a follow-up pod on. And I'm about to open Pandora's box again. Oh, great. I think I <laughs> you know, know where I'm going with it. You, you know what I I'm going to I forgot what say. it's called, but that sandbox you, thing. UAT. Yeah, there you go. User <laughs> acceptance training. The answer is absolutely get my lead leading sites, my top enroll, get my sites that I've worked with over and over, get them a seat at the table. And as we design the the, the interface, you guys are playing around with it and trying to break it. What are the flaws? What would you like to see? What 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 annoys you? What is the process that bothers you? Is there anything you like about this, right? That's that's the solution to the issue. It's not the site building it themselves. That's not going to really be fruitful, right? But giving them a seat at the table, giving them access to a UAT sandbox environment to play with it, that's the solution, in my in my opinion, to all the problems that we encounter because then you have five, six sites who have, you know, given input into it and then we come to a round table and they're able to give a guidance you know to sites who may not have it but i wouldn't want to kick a site out dr fox Mm -hmm. just for the simple fact that 
they don't have experience with this type of technology because really if you explain to them hey there's no duplicate data entry yes it requires you know that time is so the time is is just dedicated elsewhere instead of duplicating the data entry into edc because it's not automatically integrated you do you are required every 48 to 72 hours to jump in the portal take a quick scan make sure everything's copacetic and you're done right and then of course on the day of the clinic visit before the patient even starts their visit jump in to make sure all the protocol requirements have been met per the e-diary and then also when your cras are on site if you understand that the e-diary is the source make sure ask your cras did you review the patient's diaries and if not why and if you did document it in my follow-up letter that we reviewed this so that I have documentation that you looked at it and I looked at it, right? So it's just a matter of sites understanding that this is part of the patient's case history. It's part of the, it's part of the source. It, just because it's electronic doesn't mean it's not source. So I just had a really interesting thing spark up and uh, sponsors do not make source for sites. There's liability anymore, anymore, anymore. They don't, they right. don't do that. Sometimes they do. Well, I mean, it's up to I the can, site to yeah. validate, ensure the source. Well, yeah. So, yeah. The site doesn't have to use it, but they yeah. can give you the template. But ePros are designed by the sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, okay, what if an ePro messes up and it's not the site's fault? What if like it, happens it was a lot. designed wrong, and then so that so then if you apply the same logic behind okay, it's up to the site to make its own source, then and if ePros were e source, then shouldn't sites be developing their own ePros? I mean that you you, you want to talk about a time commitment? I mean you know <laughs> well I know I mean it's like that, that would be that would be I, I mean I I you make a very good parallel here right. But that's why my, my solution to that is giving sites a seat at the table to have an opportunity to go through UAT. Yep. But the, the problem with expecting a site to develop their own proprietary tool that encompasses is a consistency problem, mm -hmm. right? Not every site is going to consistently capture what their version of our expectations is so to operate alcoa c is not just as it pertains to source it is applicable at every level of conduct mm -hmm. from your tmf to the way you write deviations to the way you reconcile binders to the way you review source i mean alcoa c exists at every level of of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis right so that's why, in my opinion, you know, sites cannot do that on their own, but it doesn't mean you can't involve them. And the other caveat I want to add to this, Dr. Fox, is that if a site notices a problem, right, like, hey, this is not being captured and it should be, I can't follow your protocol unless you change A or B. Guess what I'm going to do, Dr. Fox? Gonna I'm going to change it. A and B as quickly as I possibly can. 
right? So it's not it's not a closed system. It's not something that's not fluid. It's fluid and dynamic. And the fact that we do software changes all the time, but unless yeah. sites are raising this, like if a site's not raising it, if the CRA isn't raising it, if the CRO is not raising it, if nobody's complaining about the 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 the, the system until again, one minute left in the fourth quarter, it's like, hey, here are these problems you have. And it turns out to be a design flaw, let's just say, for example, why didn't you escalate it? We should totally have another training for everyone about how to escalate concerns, right? Yes, do it. Like people listen. I mean, it, I've, I've made 21, I can per speak from personal experience. I have 21 changes, independent software changes to my current system in my current trial. I have done it 21 times. And so why wouldn't I do it 22 times if I've done it 21 times, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these issues were brought to the attention by a site, a coordinator, a sharp CRA, you know, whatever. But it's not unchangeable so you know telling the site that they have no input that that's not accurate right now i did have a site say to me one time hey well you know i i prefer not uploading an app uh on the patient's phone i would like a standalone device we had that you know? comment a few times already but the problem is the problem with the standalone devices is they're lost they're broken they're expensive right and you constantly have to i lost the charger the battery's not working it's it's so many it's just it's the same excuses you see with using an app on the patient's phone do you get the, the one where you're you're expected to pay a portion of the phone bill when they oh i've heard app. it yeah absolutely yeah. or we got to pay for the internet it's yeah. like one 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 patient told us one time in a lot this was a long time ago i'd probably say like six years ago they were like, I'm going to be without any type of internet signal for six months. It's like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So is your phone being like deactivated? Oh, no, 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 no. So like, I'm not aware, guys. And maybe, maybe like one of these like burner International you... travel, maybe. <laughs> but like what my point is, if you have a cellular signal, the data can transmit do you understand what I'm saying? Like you don't need Wi-Fi particularly. Right. You just need a 3G old school signal. Even if you go to Walmart and buy a disposable phone, even these phones have a certain allocation of internet time. Okay. But as long as you can connect to a cellular signal, you can transmit the data. And a lot of these ePros are designed where even if the phone is disconnected in airplane mode, I'm still entering my information. It's being stored locally. And the first opportunity the device has to connect to either a cellular signal or a Wi-Fi signal, that data automatically gets pushed to the server. Yeah, right? we had a study like that too. I don't there know you if go. Chris remember. It was a depression study. Like a decade ago, they were using this. They gave handheld devices to patients. Uh, and then when they came back to the office, everything synced with the Wi-Fi at the site. Exactly. All the data got uploaded. Mm -hmm. um, there's two kind of tech 
And I think we need to separate the two. And in my head, you know, the ones that I promote, my sponsors, Viva, Versatrol, Creo, and Auto, these are tech companies that help sites do things better, but they don't contribute any data to studies, like no study data. Viva a little bit, but that's reg. That's not like actual data. And Viva is a bad example because they do ePros too. But like those are site-centric tools, right? But when we talk about things like ePro, wearables, and all that other stuff, remote temp sticks or those continuous temp sticks, those are all study data. And I think that causes sites more work than they expect. And that no one's, I don't think anyone's ready for that. That's just way more data. All that now has to be reviewed. Like you just basically 10x the amount of data that has to be reviewed because of tech. And I don't think it's ready for prime time, guys. Like, it's, I don't know. We're, clearly, the infrastructure is not caught up. I mean, it might not be. I mean, look, I, I, I don't mean to bring up a pain study, right? But I've been in, I mean, I've been in the pain space for a very long time. I mean, I'll age myself a little bit. Everybody, you know, should be aware of 63 <laughs> close. Um, <laughs> but you know, everybody knows about the Purdue pharma. I mean, there's been documentaries, right? Mm -hmm. Guys, I worked for Purdue pharma. Okay. I I worked on their hydrocodone oxycodone studies. Okay. So there you go. So, these, the reason those type of studies fail is by is a, is a result of inaccurate patient reported outcomes. The subjectivity of the data itself is very difficult to corroborate oftentimes. You know, in other, in other therapeutic areas, it got bigger, it got smaller, it stayed the same. The number went up, the number went down. It cleared, it got worse, right? Like these are objective things that can't be argued. But when I'm a patient and I come in and I say, hey, doctor, I have a, my pain today is an eight. And, you know, they do their assessment and tell me that I'm doing wonderful with my disease status. How does that make any sense, right? So the discrepancies between the scales administered within a study, you know, create the problem and why there is such a failure rate in the pain space. And that's why there's very few options out there for providers above and beyond NSAIDs, COX-2, COX-1 inhibitors, um, Celebrex, for example, that, that work or are FDA approved, and quite frankly, they're Band-Aid solutions. Why are we not making progress in the pain space? That's why we're in this opioid crisis we're in, right? I mean, sure. what other options are there? Well, you're giving a great example, uh, that Purdue study, of how ePros are ineffective. Um, and that eight pain scale we had patients reporting eights nines and tens and it's like well is your back and both legs broke how are you running an eight pain <laughs> right right i mean you're functioning just absolutely normal if i were running an eight pains at, at that moment i would be in tears unfunctional 100 that's where these e-pros just do not work because people's perspectives uh -huh. and their subjectivity 
are so all over the place. It just there's no way you can rely on those scores. And okay, yeah. so sites now sites. LinkedIn users said this is for data management to take care of, but sites are now tasked with the responsibility. If they see that, they got to babysit the daily scores, Chris. So yep. if you see that as a site, you need to call the patient and say, hey, maybe I need to re-educate you. Are you really at eight? This is, this is our chart. This is what the spectrum is. But that's time. And I'm telling you guys, you are not, we are not ready for that. We're not used to doing this. I mean that what they should submit is what was that uh, poop chart? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, called. that uh, the one f I know for constipation. Doctor Hazen yeah. knows it well. Yeah, they they need something like that for pain. Like they do. They have. We have it. Like a seven is giving birth, right? Yeah, like, they have a smiley face and an angry face, and stuff yeah, that's not between. doing it. It needs to have, be very explicit pictures, like a seven or a six is giving birth. Okay, right? however, what pictures you want, somebody's got to manage it and say, look, you. You know, this is not an eight, or maybe it is an eight. Can we figure it out? But then, Dan, what what about the aspect of when does it become coercion of the data? If the patient, like, who who are we to judge? Who are we to say? I mean, Chris is right. If you're walking around eight, nine, or ten, you know, you should be hospitalized. Okay. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, but let's be honest. The issue is not people are coercing the data. The issue is people are asleep at the wheel when abnormal things are being entered. In these that's right. What I'm saying, so, what I'm trying to say is it's it's. But see, Chris's perception is eight, nine, and ten. You should be in the hospital, but maybe another person's like, well, listen, I've been in pain for so long that I, that eight is normal to me. Yeah, it's right. just not right. possible. I just. I don't believe that. Well, there's multiple issues with this. Point is, someone needs to take care of it and pay attention because these are clearly important data points. This guy says data management is in charge of this. I think they're asleep at the wheel, too. Are they looking at this? They're not clinically based. That's always their response. We're not clinical. We're not clinical. <laughs> so nobody we, wants to do you know? this. <laughs> nobody wants to do this, you know? And, and it is. It, it, it's time consuming, guys. It is. Um, I, I, there's no perfect solution here. But I think like Dan, you said it best. Everybody involved and all the stakeholders need to wake up and need to understand that, you know, when you agree to participate and if it's going to take extra resources and time to babysit the data, to me as a sponsor, it's worth it's it's absolutely worth the extra budget expenditure to ensure the integrity of the data. The problem is what happens when the site doesn't do what they were supposed to do, even though there's a line item that happens. Okay, they all the look time for too. discrepancies. They being the data manager, they're so that's not a good clinical. Point. I mean, is this happening? There are data managers where the data managers go away and the extra money just goes to the site who actually knows what they're doing. But. But Dan, how how does data management know what a discrepancy is if they don't have if they're not clinical? That's what like I'm saying. It, it, it's so not black and white. It's not it's not like how how are they going to understand that? I mean, I could start spitting off all this clinical jargon right now and in, in, in all this, but a data manager is never going to be able to detect a discrepancy unless it's spelled out for them in a DRS, a data well, review spec. Yeah, I mean, you could simply say they they don't know what an eight equates to on a on an e-pro for a pain score, right? 
Right. They, they would only know if this person's always scoring an eight and now it's a one. There's a discrepancy. <laughs> we had a DM on a study, guys. They're based in India on this particular study. And we're, I mean, you, Arizona, it's not like the U.S., we're not taking care of our health the way we should be. All right. Like, there's a lot of issues there. That's another podcast. Blood pressure 150 over 90, 150 over 100. The DM, they're not used to seeing this kind of stuff in India. They <laughs> they freak out. They're like, is this patient okay? This looked like a SAE. And we're like, no, this is just American lifestyle, man. Like just that's the reply in the EDC query. American lifestyle, correct as is. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you got. You got this there's a discrepancy to one person, it's normal to someone else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, Dan, I think you should start flashing some of Doug's from KCR. We're going to go yeah. through all of these um, things. Like, you know, he, he's, he, the man. he's, he's spitting, he's spitting some truth out here, man. If the EPRO um, does not function accurately, paper or E, then it should be used as clinician reported outcome answered directly by the clinician based on the patient's response. It is rare that a DM causes a change in value for an EPRO unless the tech are bad. The answer given reflects the opinion of the patient and are not designed to be reinterpreted. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. You know, so that's what I mean. And, and Chris, you know, an eight and all of a sudden there's a one to me, that's an improvement. How are we to say or reinterpret the fact and say, wait a minute, this has to be a discrepancy. I mean, obviously you would expect a more gradual improvement in pain considering one is not pain and eight is a lot of pain, right? You would expect it to improve, you know, not so dramatically, but what's to say that the patient today is an eight and next week they're a one. Sure. How, who, who are we, who are we to, to, to question that? Right. Okay. So that, that's the, that, that's why DM can't sit there and reinterpret the value or the veracity and validity of a patient reported outcome. And so that's where we face all these discrepancies and you, the site knows your patients much more better than any of us, right? We're sitting centrally, you interact with them, you're patient facing. And how many times, Dan, have we talked about situations where patients write down something and give you a completely different verbal response than what they wrote on paper. It's like on paper, they said they're doing phenomenal, but in person, it's like, I'm doing awful. I'm taking rescue medication every day. White like, lab wait a coat effect. Yep. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. What, what happened here? Right. It's like, you, you just said on paper, you're doing better, much better. And now you're telling me like, and then why, then the site doesn't want to have the time to investigate that. Right. Why That's is why that sites are paramount? I agree. I think we need to figure out better ways to be better sites though with tech, because it's clearly not going away. Right. Wearables are just going to increase. Like there are studies now where you have to do certain things to adjust the IP based on certain feedback you get from the wearables and these are like constant 24 7 365 data coming through someone's got to be sitting there at the site going through all this stuff and saying okay well this is what the cgm said this is what i gotta do like somebody no one's doing this stuff right now we're not we're not equipped to so deal Dan, with this maybe there needs to be a centralized vendor that's vetted and approved who's monitoring this data around the clock and alerting you in real time 
based on defined thresholds, hey, here's an alert versus yeah. putting the onus on you to to make sure that you're actually doing this right i mean there's so many organizations like there's like if it's a 24 7 data input somebody should be monitoring that and you can do that centrally through a vendor you know i mean that way they alert you to a problem and then you determine what to do about that problem something needs to change because the way something. the current way things are apparently like fox's post stories i hear from other sites and sponsors and these are just like the early signs like it hasn't i don't think reached like mainstream discussion on, in our industry we're early adopters for the most part on linkedin talking about this stuff yeah i mean i've i've been part of like different you know symposiums and webinars about retrospective lookbacks <laughs> of studies that have failed yeah using epros and then when they actually look at the raw data minus the epro this the study would have would have would have succeeded so how many products are getting shelved and not getting to market because of bad tech or or, or tech that's or, not ready for prime time i mean maybe right. just, just there you go exactly both both questions you know beg to be answered right i mean it's, it, you know, are we doing a disservice to the advancement of potentials out there because we're implementing stuff too fast? Like you say, it's not ready for prime time. If it's not ready for prime time, the likelihood of failure is much is 10x. What about when a LinkedIn user says lab send out an alert value should be mainstream? We've seen it happens yeah. often. There Labs don't do it. Like that doesn't mean just because the lab didn't put a flag that the PI shouldn't be reviewing the labs. Sometimes labs make mistakes. So these are these these errors are compounded when it's the primary endpoint that we're talking about or like IP compliance that we're talking about. So how do you think that we could make this ready for prime time? What needs to be done? Site re-education, CRA re-education. Took the words out of my mouth, Dan. CRA, yeah. CRC Academy. We need a UAT playground so we can start teaching <laughs> the future CRA, CRC students how to look at these e-diaries and stuff because it's becoming increasingly part of our day-to-day. -day. It used to not be our day-to-day. -day, I'm telling you, I'm old school. I saw a comment here about the CRF triplicate. How hard was it to forge those? Impossible. Impossible. So with tech come a lot of problems. We don't discuss the downsides of it nearly as much everyone's high off of the care access scale it till we wheels fall off business model hey dan but, flash flash doug's most recent comment doug doug oh because he says fully agree with robert <laughs> <laughs> Doug, fully agree with robert patient compliant management for epros is not to be the duty of a nine to five site i know doug but currently it is it's what i'm hearing and I, e that's what we need to change. We need to change that paradigm, you know, and I think it would benefit all parties. It's no different than a lab reporting a critically significant, critically, not clinically, but both clinically significant value, right, in real time so that the appropriate workup can commence as soon as possible. I had a lab recently. They sent us, they, they wanted a, 
EGFR was mm-hmm. part of the inclusion criteria. Yeah. Like very important part of the study. They didn't give you the EGFR. They gave you other variables that you had to do the math yourself. And the formula wasn't easy. Like I took Calc 2. I got a I got a D <laughs> in Calc 2. I ended up getting a C the second time I took it. But like I know math. Dude, that formula was not easy. So they wanted you to calculate the EGFR based on like four variables they did give you. So that's that, site. Whose responsibility? It's the site's responsibility. You gotta figure it out. Dan, I don't even travel. I don't even understand like the only rational reason I can think of on why they would ever ask a site to do that is there must have been a monetary impact. But that ability, like, com- but but computers should be able to do that. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, you they're providing you the variables to input into a formula. I think I texted you that screenshot. I'm, I'm just different. I, I, I would. Software. I would never allow that. I mean that that to me is just absurd. So absurd. in regards to the EPRO and and having. Uh, management or oversight, why not just dedicate an individual to review all of the study sites epros? Right? It's like or a study or, data manager. Well, yeah. Chris, I mean, site the, data manager. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I mean, you, you would need a large team. Think about the, the number of data points being produced every 24 yeah, hours. Yeah. Plus. What's that? I, I completely agree. But I yeah. Mean, if epros are such are so problematic, and they there is a desire to use them, then some some sort of solution has to be implemented. I I would think hiring some some good coordinators, right? Have three a team of three maybe, depending on the size of the study. Review all epros. That's your job. Period. Yeah, or Chris, even one step further, you know, spin off of a. Uh... Another business opportunity here. Yeah. SOS you know, incubator. We're taking yeah, applications. I mean, <laughs> you know, create a centralized, you know, data mining facility that well, potentially well, uses another monitoring system. Yeah. You know, and all this data is being ingested and AI is combing through it and flagging mm-hmm. and flagging. I mean, th- this is not out of the realm of, of possibilities, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I agree with what Doug said. It's not a ninety-five. It's not a nine-to-five job of a site to be reviewing. I mean, it requires twenty-four-seven monitoring. Because what if they? I mean, depending on what is being captured within that particular diary, it can actually have safety implications, right? What if, for example, you're using a drug that affects renal or liver function, and if you use too much of it? for too long, for too many days in a row, you could potentially, you know, hurt yourself, right? So therefore, there should be a central committee or a centralized vendor who's ingesting all this data and reviewing it on behalf of the sites because it's really a big ask. I, I got it. a name for you, Robert. What's that? E-Performance. There you go. <laughs> Someone do it. Make a make a company called ePerformance. We, we got the name. Check later. We got yeah. the name. Now we just need the infrastructure. Now we just need to do it. LinkedIn user is very active. I think you're a bot, but like prove yourself. Show your papers, LinkedIn user. Is AI going to present another problem soon? I don't know about you guys. I don't want to hear about AI till we fix these things. 
Because exactly. I think AI is going to cause more issues. We can't yeah. even think of them yet. Yeah, natural we, we people. Yeah, natural language. Uh, we have a tough time putting normal sentences together, let alone training AI to speak natural language. Um, let's work on you know, yeah. Or maybe they're yeah. saying AI <laughs> could be this data manager. Doctor Fox just said we should implement. Like maybe I don't know. Well, AI plus a human, right? Because right. what you would do is like just simply would be like. Doctor, or sorry, Robert gave an example of medication uh, pain study. They overuse um, the rescue med. That's pretty simple to program. AI can track that relatively easily. But maybe there's reasons why, and that's where the human gets involved, right? AI is not capable of doing that at this point. So AI good to flag, human good to figure out what the heck's exactly. happening. Exactly. Like exactly. flag the issue, and then you, the human, triage whether or not action needs to be taken, you know, it, it's really, it's really that simple, you know, um, knowing about it and then making a decision on what you should do about it. That's the way things should go. Right. Yeah. Man, we so, I mean, go on like three hours. Forever. Yeah. Are you guys go good forever. with like ending it? Or you want to go through questions? Let's go through questions. You guys are troopers, man. Uh, where do we start? It's wow. This is like second live stream of the day. We get tons of comments. Uh, Tara. Thank you, Tara. The only paper compliment to these data sources is that done, not done. If not, why? Is that good, though, Robert? Well, that's exactly what I was saying earlier, right, Dan? I mean, it, it's it, it's not even really necessary on the paper because log in the portal and look for yourself. It's either done, not done. If not done, it's still a PD. Either way, you yeah. slice the cake with the paper or without the paper, right? And PD will be PD and, and regardless here, of the paper. But actually, so this is the problem, and I don't want you know Tara to, to take this in the wrong way. No, no, Tara, we love you. Come back more often. Um, but what I'm, what I'm seeing here, this is the problem, right, is that sites are so used to confirming via paper and a checkbox versus logging into a portal and looking. So if I verbally ask you, was it, did you do this? And the patient says, yes. And I, as a coordinator, tick box, you know, you know, tick the box. Yes. Completed. But then you go to the, you go to the diary and it's not completed. Now you have conflicting documents and guess what? Your paper doesn't matter because the East pro, the source of truth, the e source that matters that you're asking the question about is blank. So now what do you do? It's still a PD. Either way, you slice the cake, right? So this is where I mean. It's like don't even bring paper in this equation, right? There should be no complement to these data sources. It's not necessary. If you want to know whether something was done or not done, log into the portal. Take a look at the diary. A lot of people don't want to <laughs> log in. Versatrial could help with that, right? <laughs> Versatrial yeah. can help with a lot. That's why I like. That's why I was saying one of the tech companies that's actually like doing something to help sites, not contribute, just more data. Here's a data dump. Go take a look at this and sort your PDs at your own discretion. I mean, that's basically what's going on right now with these things. It's just a data dump, like every day. And these sites are not ready. You guys don't know what you're getting into with these ePros. Again, Dan, just like you know, I. I Doug, he's he's just nailed it, man. I I, I, I mean, <laughs> have you met Doug? Like, a, I, I I have not met Doug, but I hope. Pot. 
I hope one day to, to meet him because I'm just saying like he, he, he's spot on, right? I think the biggest eye-opening thing for me that I really never considered that I want to figure out how to implement is the fact that we're creating so many data points, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of data points a month, depending on the scale mm -hmm. of the trial. It is, it is, and based on how many patients, obviously if you have one or two patients enrolled, fine, but typically good sites, you know, they, they're, they're going to enroll 10, 15, 20, highest 50, 60 sites, 60 patients. What do we do to address in a contemporaneous manner to review this volume of data, to expect one of your coordinators who's managing multiple studies focusing on the safety and integrity of other patients as well. How, even if you hired three dedicated coordinators to just sit in the EPRO all day, by virtue of human error, Dan, they're going to go cross-eyed and they're going to miss. I know. A, they're going to quit their job. And then I the mean, side is going to need someone else. That's my point, right? So we need a company or a vendor that specializes in this one problem. And that's EPRO signal detection, data verif you know, data corroboration, and noise and diffuser. There you go. What, like whatever, like whatever you want to call it. And then that alert is sent to a specific stakeholder, and it's up to you to determine whether or not action needs to be taken. I think you're giving that people ideas. Hey, listen, I, well, Doug's I, saying I, paper diary more problematic. We cannot see that the data was entered in the car park. This is true, but it would get the study to... approved. But the problem is the real world stuff later when the drugs on the market, FDA would say, well, wait a minute. We never showed this in the, in the clinical trial. Why? And we're going to put a black box on it or <laughs> guys real quickly. It's just funny that he said this because remember I said to you, I've seen a lot in being in the field, right? I walked into, I was doing a NASH trial and I literally, I showed up maybe 10 minutes late and I was walking into the clinic parked far away because as a Sierra, you're stagnant and I hated sitting. So I would park as far away as possible. I walked by a patient sitting in their car, filling, filling out their document. Like, I was like, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Walk right by them. I'm like, I mean, clear as day, just sitting in the parking lot, filling out their documents, yeah. you know, di their diaries happens all the time. So look, there, there's no perfect solution. There, there's no, there's no perfect solution. And, oh, you know, coordinators are just overworked as is, you know, you guys have heard me say this a zillion times. Oh, overworked and... as is before the advent of ePros. Exactly. Forget exactly. about it now. Kelvin wrote a, wrote a Kindle, 99 cents to read. <laughs> uh, agreed. <laughs> Maintaining automated compliance management should be a top priority. I also believe that leveraging AI can greatly assist automation in terms of ePro, prioritizing integration with EDC. They're already doing that, though. Uh, additionally, real-time visual indication of patient engagement and compliance can provide valuable insights to monitor study progress. User adoption. Yeah, and you, LinkedIn user has it best. Don't pin that on coordinators. But guess who it's currently pinned on, guys and gals? Coordinator. Bottom of the totem pole. Hey, coordinator, here's more data. Here's a data dump, right? Thank you. Let me know when it's done tomorrow. <laughs> I'm coming back.
Like that's what that's what we do, and we're not ready for all yeah, that. That's we're not, we're not, we're not. And and again, I you know, integrating integrating patient reported outcomes into an EDC. There's no point. I I, I don't. I, I just don't. I have know study why. where I, that's done. It's yeah. nice. But, it's nice. But for what for? You have you have you you, you the data is there. Like yeah. integration is not always perfect either, right? And then when you heaven forbid you have a database update or a migration, it breaks that integration now, Dan. Right? And now you have 500 queries to address because that data was integrated. Right, that's true. That does leave it alone. Sense. Leave it alone. Leave it well, in its and own guess repository. Who has to fix that? Coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pin that on the coordinators. This man. industry is a house of cards run by coordinators. How about that? We can end the show on that. It's a good place. I think it's true. Yeah. House of cards run by coordinators, second place series. That's it. I don't know. We're done, guys. Unless Fox, Chris, Robert want to say something else. God bless the coordinators. God yeah. bless the coordinators. Yes. And and just, yeah, God bless everybody. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need it, man. You know? No wonder just we drink so much everybody. in this industry. And I no wonder, uh, no wonder we, you know, my gray hair is, is, uh, that's why I wear a hat, folks. Probably, three, why, why, yeah, yeah. why is Robert, is he bald under there? I mean, I'm not bald, but I'm getting there. <laughs> a few more E-Pros, man. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I think it's well, just important to note, this was all developed for a reason. Someone had a good intention somewhere. Maybe they just didn't think about the whole situation. Well, yeah. people are obviously interested because our retention on this hour and a half, like the viewers have more patience than I do. This The retention's <laughs> higher now than when we started. Here's Daisy. See, she came at the right part. I told you, Daisy, I advocate for coordinators. You guys are running the show. We all know it. There's people that try to act like they don't, but you guys run the show. And guess what? CRCs become CRAs. The good ones have empathy for their coordinators. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's fair to give them all this responsibility. We got to figure things out. Like we, We're the people with the money. Not even me. Higher up than me, they got the money. Yeah. We need to figure out solutions, guys. SOS, man. SOS. SOS. I, 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 I can't wait. I can't wait to be there and meet everybody and and really create solutions to these problems, not just complain about it. Complaining is not going to get us anywhere. What's the solution, right? That's what that's what's going to separate SOS from everything else out there. And I'm most excited about that to just get together and let's talk solutions. How many problems can we solve, you know, in, in during, during that, during that conference. And then hopefully uh, Dan and Chris, you know, we'll do SOS part number two as a teaser, but not save our sites. We'll just leave it at that. You know, sure. you can figure out what the S stands for guys. Yep. I think so you, so maybe you, not. I'm kidding. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. So I'm going to leave this at least my portion on a lighthearted note. So I'm curious because I've been thinking about it since I joked about it. So I'm the oldest one here. Who's the next oldest? By far. You're the oldest by far. Hey, <laughs> between the three of you, who's the oldest? Next Robert by three days. Yeah. Three day, I'm three days older than Dan. Then and me. Then Fox is the baby. Okay. 
Yeah. Baby Fox. I would have guessed you all about the same age. That's what I was asking. Basically, we're all the geriatric millennials. Me, Fox. Geriatric <laughs> millennials. It's true. That's what it's called. It the is. It, I, I certainly feel that way. Sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, oh, it only gets worse, man. man. I, I hear you, Chris. You're going to need your own drugs that you're working on. It. We are. That's why we're all doing it for our future selves. <laughs> we're all doing it for our future selves, man. Well, the links to everyone underneath except Chris because he's doesn't want to be seen. So he's a recluse. Here, just here, that's fine. Just here, yeah. Like here, what do you mean here? Like just or, when you're randomly on this live show. Yeah, that's the only way you get all this the. Is your only opportunity that, to yeah, talk to Chris. So get it. those comments going. <laughs> there you go. He's paper diary. We're all EPRO. <laughs> I like it. I like it, guys. Everyone's link underneath except Chris. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Thank you so much. Retention was very high. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.